Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to another episode of the internationally known Dudes at Ringside podcast. I am your host, Joe the Panther, but third, and now from the top of Metal Mountain, in the in the middle of the mosh pit, it's the happy heel himself, the Metal Geek. What's going on, Ringside Crew? What's going on, International Known? What's going on, everybody? What's going on, Joe? How's it going today? Our Discord's blowing up as, as usual. We're on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Sorry. <laughs> That'd be funny. So, Geek, how you doing? Good, good. We're on a boat right now, right? You got to tell Mod get the boat, get all our bags packed, get the suntan lotion. Because we well, have any announcement before we introduce our awesome guest for tonight. Do I make it? Yes. Um, if you're not busy later on at 9:30, we'll be back to hang out with Jay George, another awesome wrestler from Cap. But now, get yourselves ready, get your buoys ready, get your smiles ready, get your awesome hats on because let's give a warm Jude Ringside welcome to Captain Joe. Shoes. Yo, what up, guys? What, what's up, Joe? How's it going? Hey, Joe, uh, welcome, another Joe. day in paradise. Yeah. yeah. Welcome. welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Or no life on the boat. Yes. Oh, man. We, you know, we're just out here getting uh, suntans in the south, you know. Yeah, man. Uh -huh. yes. So if our internationally known fans are not familiar with you, what would they not be? Introduce yourself. I am Captain Joe Shoes. I've been in the pro wrestling business for over 20 years at this point under the names L Shoes, Maximus Sex Power, The Revolting Blob, Super Cafone, The Failed Italian Luchador, and now, most recently, you probably know me from my stuff with the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, where I'm the captain, Joe Shoes, and I host the Captain's Log over on the Major Pod Network. I have my own podcast, the Car Jomez Podcast, that comes out every Thursday, wherever it is that you get podcasts, or also on YouTube. And, uh, you know, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Joe Shoes, where I'm just out there trying all the fast food that's bad for you, but good for me. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like I've been yeah, and that sounds like our kind of show right there, because me and Joe just love eating food, any type of food, man. We fight over eat. food. It's like argument yeah. central. Like, this is good. No, this is good. I'm like. Show See, a good. lot of people, you know, we're, we're very health conscious nowadays, which is a good thing. But, you know, someone like me, I make the ultimate sacrifice and I go out there and I try this stuff. That way, you people who are still worried about your waistlines don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
So, so what was some of the favorite foods you enjoyed trying on on the show that on the YouTube show that you watched? Oh man, uh, I I I I love fast food, and I grew up with very poor eating habits because I both my parents worked multiple jobs when I was a kid, so a lot of times dinner was just like whatever was quick and easy because that way get home, get the kids to sleep, and they get their sleep because they got to run the you know the same cycle again the next day. So I'm like enamored with fast food and like some of my favorite items all time. I love the original chicken sandwich at Burger King. Uh, I love the uh, the grilled cheese uh, steak burrito from Taco Bell is a, oh just so, so good. Uh, what else? Uh, you know, and sometimes you forget about some of the simplistic ones, like a regular crunchy taco at Taco Bell. Sometimes like you go along, everyone's always coming out with specialty items. And then you have like something basic and you're like, you know. I miss this. This is like home. It's kind of like when when I go to like it's like an ice cream shop, for example. There's like a hundred different flavors. You see like all these different flavors, and you're like, hmm, which one do I want? That looks good. That looks good. Just give me a vanilla. Yeah, I'm smacking, dude. There's over. We're in TGI. We're what TGF? We're in Carvel. You're an idiot. They're all in front of you. Just be the Karen. Can I try that one? Can I try that one? Can they? they have thousands of little spoons. Yes. Thousands of little spoons in that tray behind that counter by that little scooper. You know that they want to do it. You know they don't want to do it. But, you know, <laughs> they got time. They close it like that. I, I mean, at the, at the same time, like that is their job. You know, like a lot of us have jobs we don't like. I, there is a very small select few people out there in the planet that actually gets to do what they love and that they want to do. For the rest of us, we're all miserable working our bullshit uh, corporate jobs that we need just to, so we can put food on the table and support our families. And you know what? Maybe that little taste test spoon of world-class chocolate at Baskin-Robbins, that may turn my day from a D to a B+. Plus. So I understand it's not exactly the most glamorous job. It's not exactly the most fun part of the job. Oftentimes in customer service and retail, the customers are the worst part of the job. But damn, if you can't put smiles on faces with ice cream. Oh, my God. Like, I'm that guy. I love strawberry ice cream. And I have to try it everywhere. And I had a strawberry Oh my god, it was so good! Strawberry ice cream sandwich, soft serve. My my sister brought me them. I was so happy. I was like, it's not the hard serve; it's the soft serve. That and I was like, yeah. And they brought it to me in that long box, long Carvel box, and I'm just like, holy crap! I couldn't scream for damn. I was like, this is so good. <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> still good like weeks later i was like these are not gonna taste the same no, no they did <laughs> yeah my, my, I, I love anything peanut butter anything like peanut mm. butter cheesecake peanut peanut butter puffs from uh the reese's peanut butter puff cereal yeah anything peanut butter cups anything man those i'm a big reese's guy but i like if i see if i go somewhere and i'm maybe like only half familiar with their menu and I see anything with Oreo, I default to Oreo cookies and cream, whatever it is. Like, that is my go-to. It's like, how do you mess it up? It, it's got to be impossible. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
like it, can you would you want it uh, your Oreos thing on like a milkshake or just like Why sprinkled not? on top of your ice cream? In the milkshake, sprinkled on top, uh just in full cookie form, in cereal, in life, in pasta, like give it to me wherever. Any there is nothing that ever went bad with Oreos in it. Mm-hmm. Nah. So, so I, I actually tried Zaxby's for the first time. I saw your video and uh I was like Holy shit! Why don't they bring this to Long Island or New York, man? <laughs> give Ch- give Chick Fil A a run for their money. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, so I'm I live in Florida, and Chick Fil A is basically king here. It doesn't matter what time of day, what day. Obviously, not Sundays; they're not open. But there is always this wraparound line for their drive-through, and I think Chick Fil A is really good. I I mean, their chicken sandwich is is pretty good. I think I have it second on my list right now. Behind the the Popeyes spicy chicken sandwich, which I think is phenomenal, um, but like Zaxby's is really good too, and there's never a line. And I love being able to just pull up, get a nice fresh chicken sandwich, and they have a spicy version as well. And they got a bunch of like cool sides. They have stuff like uh, you know uh, fried cheese curds, and like I, I like that because that's not something you get everywhere. You know, give me some give me some cheddar bites. Definitely, I'm all about that. I, I love the Zaxby sauce better than the Chick-fil-A sauce. And then when I, I agree tried with to that. add I when I tried to ask them, I'm like, for another sauce, they're like, oh, it's 50 cents extra. And I'm like, you're joking, right? And I, I'm like, Chick-fil-A would never do that. Joe, I could see Geek going all carrying 50 cents. Are you kidding me? I'm of that belief too, because I my first job ever was working at a Burger King, actually. And there are certain things in life. Like I took a business class and the, we watched a video one time. I never forgot this. I was like probably like 17, a freshman in college, something like that. And in this class, it was about customer service and about how to leave people feeling satisfied with their stop at a, you know, wh- whatever business it is that you own. And it, they were a restaurant and this restaurant used to have these pickles that they would serve with whatever sandwich. And then they stopped giving the pickles with the sandwich and I guess a woman came in and she was like, oh, can I get a pickle? You know, you have to, the people who love pickle. I'm a pickle guy myself. So, like, you give me a pickle with a, my Monte Cristo or whatever, like, I'm all about it. And they're like, oh, it's going to be like an extra dollar if you want this pickle. And she was, like, disappointed. And the moral of the story was give them the pickle. You know, give them the pickle. But, that you know, it's a simple lesson. It applies to many things in life. It's, it's certainly something I try to carry over to wrestling when people come and approach my gimmick table. I call it a PMCE, a positive, memorable customer experience. I want you to come. I want you to have a good time for the the couple of minutes that you are standing in front of me, talking to me. And hopefully when you leave that interaction, you go, you know what? Maybe I was on the fence about that guy or whatever, but I like him. And if you have a good experience with a wrestler or just anything, anything that you're a fan of, a good experience leads you to want to come back and want to further support, whether it's just that person or the promotion or in general, they're just more apt to come back. And you know what? It's nice to have people there to watch you do what you like doing. Otherwise, exactly. it gets very boring. We went through a whole year of that in 2020. Oh, God. Man. <laughs> Man, I felt really bad for like the indies in 2020 because, I mean, WWE and AEW, they had all the money in the world and they could just say, okay, we're going to close the set. But for indies... You need those fans, and that was the hardest part for the indies, right there. Yeah. And it's sad. Oh. There was actually tournaments they did, like NYWC did a full tournament just on YouTube. 
Yeah. No fans. Closed doors. Yeah, and that's that's, that's a, it's in a good it's it's good in bed. I mean, you the way we train now, you train so often and so much that you kind of already have a understanding of how to wrestle in front of no one because of a lot of the drills that we do and training and stuff. But it's just when you have there's there's that extra adrenaline that kicks in when you have that crowd. And when you're, especially when you're used to it, like a lot of the TV guys I know were like, yo, it's, it's so weird, man. It's so weird. Like a lot of the indie shows, sometimes you get like these indie shows that have very sparse crowds and it happens and it can feel like wrestling in front of no one, but at least there's someone yelling at you, telling you, you suck. You, you at least have <laughs> that, that verification that you suck, you know, <laughs> now when it's just quiet and pin drops, it's almost like you got to create the noise in your head to keep yourself in the moment and, and, and inside what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. We're used to hearing people say we suck. We just, they just say in the chat. I mean, that's what the internet's for. No one's there to to, to say good things. Like if they're, they're saying nice things, I'm just scared. Like it'd be something. You should be. I'm always a firm believer of constructive criticism because you know, that's the only way to, for me or Joey to get better is that you need that constructive criticism because if, if somebody just goes up and says, ah, the show was good, how does that help the show? You know what and, I mean? And yeah. me, I hate when people talk in question marks, question marks, Joe. I usually go, oh, your show was good? And I'm like, okay, my dad and mom are teaching me grammar. If they said question mark, that could be like the emoji like this, good? And I'm like, it means did that did 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 someone fart in the background? Was there like a bad joke? Uh, was so many uhs happen in the middle of the show? Too much dead air. What's the uh? <laughs> like, well, especially too when you're first starting out, the really the people who are listening to you at the beginning are the people you know, people you already yeah. have relationships with, your friends, yeah. and they're not in nine times out of ten, they're not going to tell you you suck. They may enjoy the show, but then it becomes the case of, well, are they enjoying it because they know me and they in, they already enjoy me enough to be my friend? But are they enjoying it just because they know me and they they find me interesting? Or are they enjoying it because they actually enjoy the show? And that becomes very hard to kind of get real feedback from because maybe they are enjoying it, but are they enjoying it for the right reasons? And yeah, okay. that's something that they may not know in the moment. They're just like, oh, this is my friend, and he's doing this podcast, and it's it's pretty fun. I keep it on while I'm, you know, making notes or you know, paying bills or whatever. But are they actually enjoying the show? Exactly. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> I have people at work that don't watch wrestling that have tuned in, and they're like, "Wow, that guy was talking about deep stuff." I don't watch wrestling, but I did go on YouTube and watch the matches. That guy's insane, and I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, more than that. You type in their name, you probably find like 50,000 things. And he's like, you didn't watch wrestling. I'm like, I guess you know you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I work with football fans, so. <laughs> but, I, well, you know, I'm used to growing up in a real town because I grew up in New York. But, you know, so we always have like pro teams for everything. And now that I that I live in Florida, everyone's a college sports fan. And I'm just like, what, what, do, you, what, do, we, what do we doing here, guys? Come on. I, I'm not watching games with a bunch of people who are going to be accountants by the end of the week. Like I, I, I'm used to watching professionals here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. So, Joe, how did you get your start in the wrestling business? Exactly. Oh, geez. Um, if you go back to 2001, 
there was an indie company called UCW up in New York. It was run by this guy, Jack Sabbath. Now, I had known Jack because he owned a store that I would go into all the time, and he sold wrestling figures and T-shirts, and he would rent videos, uh, and I would go there and rent a bunch of tapes from him because he had all the old Coliseum home video stuff and, like, old, like, WWF TVs from, like, 1985, and I was like, oh, my God, this is great. And so he started this promotion. I went to the first couple of shows, and... I was just in the store all the time because I was always looking to buy something new. I was obsessed with wrestling at that point. And I knew I wanted to be a wrestler. I knew I wanted to be in the business, but I had no idea how to get involved. And one day he had, he had another guy who worked for him named Rob. And Rob was like an encyclopedia of wrestling. Like he would be like, Oh, Norman Smiley wrestled this guy in March of 1986. The weather in Mexico that day was 70. He was like, just like your classic stereotypical, like rain man of wrestling. And, uh, and Jack had this idea. He's like, Hey, I was thinking, uh, cause I was a journalism student at the time. At the time, my, my goal was to be like a, a beat writer for the Mets. That's all I wanted was I wanted to be like the reporter for the Mets. And, uh, Jack was like, would you uh, want to do commentary? And, I was like, yeah, that sounds that sounds fun. Like, do I get into the shows for free? He's like, yes, you you get into the shows for free. So I got my that's how I got like my in and started doing commentary, getting to know all the guys. And then I realized that I realized very quickly, too, that you, when you get into the business as an announcer, as fun as it is, you know, to be involved and and all that. And, and the indie scene was hot at the time because we're still talking about the tail end of like the Attitude Era boom. <laughs> uh, so wrestling was hot. And when, when WWE is hot, everything is hot. When it's not, everything sucks. So when the, we're still catching that tail end of the big boom for, for Attitude Era. So it was like I'd start getting recognized like in public, which was very weird because I was just an indie announcer in Queens. I really it's not like I was branching out to a lot of different places, but um, I realized very quickly that there's only so far you can go, especially being on the indie scene as an announcer, because 99 percent of announcers on the indie scene and things have changed now. You have people who are, you know, making names for themselves and social media helps a lot with that. But I realized that if I want to do more, I'm going to have to train or take bumps and know how to do other stuff besides just stand behind a microphone. And I started um, training at Johnny Rods' school because uh, a lot of the guys I had known from the scene at the time were at Johnny Rods. And it was actually on my way home from my job. So it was very convenient for me to get out of work, get on the train, go a couple stops, and then go to the to training for a few hours and then get back on the train and finish my trip home. So that's really how I got my start. Wow. It's amazing. So um, wh who would you say your dream opponent is that you would my, love to rust? Or? So my dream opponent was my favorite wrestler of all time. The honky tonk man. Mm. Honky tonk man was always my favorite wrestler as a kid growing up. I just love the honky tonk man, but that dream came true uh, about 10 years ago. I did wrestle the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, wow. So now that we crossed that one off the bucket list, when people say, what is the dream match that you have? Uh, if you guys know CPA. Yeah. Yes, yes, CPA, so yes. CPA is one of my best friends. And for a while, when I was doing Revolting Blob, 
we were uh, like a quasi team. We were never like an official team, but we always had like this kind of working relationship. You know, like when uh, back in the day, like one heel has a problem, then all the heels come to his rescue. And then one baby face has an issue and all the CPA was like always my guy. Like we would always have interactions together on shows, but we were never like officially together. I always said that if I could have one dream match, a promoter says any match you want in the world, what is it? I said it would be me and CPA against the Mean Street Posse, Rodney and wow. P. Guess. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> CPA is awesome, by the way. You know, I've seen him wrestle. It's like, and he's and he's like one of the one of the the nicest guys too. You know? Yeah, he's a gem. Yeah. That's so fun. Did but one thing, did you take the famous guitar shot by the honky? Tom? No. And I didn't lose. Oh. I didn't wow. I didn't win, but I didn't lose either. Um it was actually a show in Jersey. It was at like um like a carnival fair or something, but like we it was one of these things where we do like say three shows in a day and you know, you know, you do like three matches, then come back two hours later, do another three matches, come back two hours later, do another three matches. It was part of the fair. In the and sun, what's that? In the sun, oh. in the sun, and then and this day at one point in the rain, oh, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Um, in the match I had later in the day, it was pouring rain, so we called a spot where we did like a slip and slide contest just because we could. And uh, <laughs> you know, if you're having fun, then the people watching are having fun. So that was one of those things. But with the honky tonk man, I had Danny Doring in my corner, and I was a big Danny Doring fan too. Because when I was watching ECW, uh, Danny Doring was like my favorite guy in ECW. And like one time, I showed up at the Elks Lodge really early before an ECW show, and like volunteered to help out the ring, which was just free labor, and it's stupid. And look, like looking back, like get paid for your work, like. They just, I got into the show for free. So I guess that was good. But like, I met Danny Doring there that day because he was on Ring Crew. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is fucking Danny Doring. You must be a millionaire. Um, and then, so years later, he's he was in my corner against the honky tonk man. And when the honky tonk man hooked me to give me the shake, rattle, and roll, Doring came in, slid in, uh, knocked down the honky tonk man. So it was like a no contest. And then, they went on to have a match like in the main event of the later show. That's that's insane though. I but mean, it was like that's like one of those things you hit like these little milestones when you're in the business, especially when you're starting out. And it's like, oh, this is the first name I got to work. Then it becomes like, okay, not just the name, but somebody I was like legitimately a fan of. And then it just snowballs from there, and you keep having to reassess your goals. Like as you check things off, like my goal really at first was kind of just to have a match. And then once I had a match, it was like, okay, now it's, you know, win a belt, be in a main event, get booked in a different state, get flown somewhere to wrestle. And as you just keep going, you keep having to reassess your goals and, and continue to have new ones. Because once you stop having goals, what's the point of keep of, of doing anything? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is, um, one question is, um, if uh, you mentioned CPA and you tag it with CPA, if you and CPA could tag, who would you go up against right now? And create a pro if you in create oh, a pro. Create a pro. I would love to wrestle. Uh, I just wrestled Eric James and um, Dante Drago 
um, at FWF. And Eric James is a guy I've known for a long time. Like from when him, when he was really just first starting out, I was kind of in a pretty good mid-card spot on the Northeast Indies. And he was tagging with VSK at the time as Adrenaline Express. And they were like kids, but they like, they were okay back then, but they were kids. And now like seeing them both now is like, you know, VSK's on TV and Eric James is like awesome. And it's like, that's so cool for me to see. I would love to wrestle um, a VBU, Jack Tomlinson and Dante oh. Drago again. Because mm. uh, they were like part of the thing with Eric James where they were larger than life. Yep. But uh, I love I love all three of those guys. But I, I, me and CPA versus them would definitely be some fun. I, I think that would be a fun match because I, I, I was just mentioning, I was like, you know what? Him, him and CPA against VBU would be an absolutely entertaining match. It's so what 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 boggles me now is like, you know, when you first start out, like you're the kid in the locker room. And I was like 19 when I first got into the business. So I was like, you know, I was a kid and there were all these guys who had been on the indies for a couple of years or whatever. And I would look at them and be like, my God, like that guy must be. He's awesome. He's been around for like three, four years. Like he's like a real adult. Like that's a man. That's a wrestler. When you look at and you would look at these guys like as if they were almost larger than life pun not intended um but you know then like you're around for a while and you know you have a little credibility with the other guys in the locker room then all of a sudden one day people in the locker rooms would start calling me uncle shoes and i was like what the hell like where did my life go that now like all these cats keep calling me and there's a large group of people at this point who call me uncle shoes and like Jack Tomlinson is like, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. And I'm like, my man, like, I think I was already on my way to retiring when you were born. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> man, but that's the future right there. Jack and Dante are the future right they're there. They're great. Yeah. They're, they're both really, really good. And Brian, you look at Creator Pro's track record of talent that they've been putting out for the past you know what five years now like look look at a bunch of these guys and and even the guys who aren't on tv yet i mean as as compared to a lot of other guys on the indies a bryce donovan a bobby orlando oh i'd love to work those guys oh how much fun would that be oh man yeah. that would be a, that would be an entertaining match for you as well oh bobby my Land- god the, those guys are I, I they're just so good uh i know even bryce been right blowing it up too have you yeah i mean there, yeah. there's so, there's so much talent out there and they're so the schools now are better than they ever have been with preparing people to work bigger shows and and give them more of a solid foundation to work with and have the and social media and YouTube and podcasts all allow the freedom to really develop characters so fans who even don't know you but have access to all your footage and access to what this guy is about and and you on your own can you know, this is all stuff like I didn't have when I was starting out. So every time I went to a place for the first time, it was like, you know, going to a board meeting where you you had no business in the room. You know, the fans had no idea who you were. You know, only the real hardcores who were on every message board. You know, there was no YouTube back then. There was no Twitter when I, you know, when I was, quote unquote, in my prime. So it's like all these tools you have at your disposal now, and they're not foolproof, obviously, and some people are better at utilizing them than others. But the fact that you have that and you can build that relationship with the fans without having to wrestle in front of them 
is is just so so important and a way the a lot of these guys today have been utilizing that jack with his vlogs bobby orlando with some of the bobby orlando is like a fucking genius man like he's the kid is out of his mind number one like he's legitimately insane and then like he does his sick trick videos and there's like you just look at him and you're like oh you sweet boy like (laughs) he wasn't out of his mind he went to a freaking jets patriots game in new england with jet stuff on that's not fucking insane. I'm, I'm, <laughs> he's Bobby. Insane. You know what? It, it's not as bad because New England, yeah, you'll get razzed, but like you don't have to worry about getting into fights or anything. It's not like you're going to Philadelphia, which is literally the armpit of America. There's a yeah. reason why every public building in that town has a holding cell built into it. Really? I know that. <laughs> Just Philly. <laughs> I live in PA. I don't know that. Horrible, he horrible city. Girls from PA. Savages. But Joseph I'm from Pierre. I'm from the start of Phil. I'm, I'm the I'm like he lives whole, in the woods. Joe's from okay. the woods, though. I live He's in the, the woods. I've been I live in uh, Pike County. So like, and here we go. This is to all the indie promotions that have never been here. I live in Pike County in Milford. We haven't had a wrestling show in Milford, Pennsylvania, in since 2005. Just before 2005, I have to pay to go out of state to watch independent wrestling. That's how bad it is here in Milford. Yeah. Because some one promotion scratched the the gym floor, everybody's fucked. I love that. I always love when yeah the everybody's littlest thing, fucked. and all of a sudden the building's like we're done with wrestling. This is insane. I'm like, I'm like, hi, I'm a new podcaster. Can you please come to my town? And they're like, and then rest, a wrestler commented on my thing. This, this, and this, and I'm just like, man, I'm fucked now. Now I got to go out of town to get like remember Sandlot and then the ball goes in. Now we can't play baseball no yeah. more. Yeah, thanks. Now uh, I can't watch wrestling. Uh, no you've ruined it for everyone. I'm gonna leave now. <laughs> like <laughs> I got to go, go to Jersey now. Thanks. I go to New York to be early on in my career. We wrestled in. I was wrestling for who? What was the company's name? Um, World World Star Wrestling. I think it was WSW, and they would run a lot of these small. Pennsylvania towns that I'd never heard of before. So it was um Shahola was one of them. I knew it. They're me. Okay, Lackawaxen. You're me. That's a that's a real town, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I like call for, in my head, I'm like, am I making up Lackawaxen or I is that real <laughs> I've heard of? <laughs> Just say Lattawaxen. It sounds like what we everybody says here. But you know, like I've never heard, you know, like being from Queens, it's it's not like you know your geography class in the fourth grade shows you, oh, and this is where Shahola is, and you're gonna wrestle there one day. And to me, it was like I'm walking in there going, Oh, this looks like one of those towns where the locals are impressed that I've got five fingers on each hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, I said something and the person looked dead in my face. I'm serious, Joe. And said, you're, you're not from around here. You're from the flatlands. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, this is when I go that I think I see something out of its spot over there in the meat department. I, I got go. <laughs> <Toodles>. uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I gotta go. <laughs> Not my bag. <laughs> it's why I'm everybody geek always gets on my case. Oh, you're from PA. This tree may be in this state, but this this tree right here was born in New York. I know the real indie scene. This is a, this is just the droplets of the indie scene. New York has the craziest, most killer indie promotions you will find anywhere. I, I mean 
it's slowly dying though in New York because the thing is, um, I heard with um that it's like it's hard to get a license in New York or something like that. It always and, has been. It always has been. And so that goes I'm, back, you know, before me and we'll we'll still continue long after I'm gone. Yeah, with New Jersey, I hear is the the hotbed right now. You know? Well, New Jersey, it's just a lot easier to run a show. Is there a lot less restrictions from the, um, uh, what is it? The, jeez, I can't New, even remember what New York it's, State, the, the State Athletic Commission. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, there is no athletic commission in Jersey. They don't regulate professional wrestling. So really? yeah, so it, like back, like even when I started, you still needed to get a wrestling license in New York. Uh, you know, you would have to go through training and then have three licensed wrestlers write like um, no- notarized letters on your behalf saying that you have been trained and and are capable of being a licensed professional wrestler in the state of New York. Wow. That's insane. So like that went away, you know, early or very early in my career. But it, that even that was still there back in the early 2000s. I heard it's stricter now, even stricter. Uh, it's stricter in the sense that the, there were commissioners back in the day who were wrestling people and would give you a little rope, you know, you know, they would turn a blind eye to certain things because they understood wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think what has happened is as those people have gotten older and chosen to retire or moved on with their lives, um, the people coming in now are coming in like I have a title, look at me. And you see that in a lot of different businesses, but especially yeah. this where it's like a government job. And they just want to um, you know, kind of flex their power. So I get running it. New York becomes a, a very difficult and expensive process. The costs that go into just extra overhead of running a show mm-hmm. in New York make things very difficult. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. Also and- I Sorry, go ahead, Joe. I cut you There's off. a promotion that I learned about around my birthday last year. My mom is, is, I feel old by saying this. Nick and I used to go to NYWC all the time. And that's where I learned about uh, Cardona and Matt Cardona. And we both met them. And I, again, I'm, I feel really old by saying I'm 39. I'm used to just seeing posters and not going on the internet and going, my area, close to my area to find wrestling shows. ISPW was doing a show, and my mom's like, what's this? And I sent her, she sent me a poster, and I was like, well, they're doing a show. And uh, Danny Doring was on the show. I don't know if you're familiar with um, uh, Mike Myers, Mike Mars? Mike Mars? Mike Mars? No, I don't know that name. Um, the Miz, not the Miz. Um, Maven was on the show. Um, Dave LaGreca. Dave LaGreca. Dave LaGreca is so – so, I wish he would come to Cap. He is so mm-hmm. cool. Such a nice guy. Funny as hell. Funny as hell. Um, is uh, Tom from ISPD is the owner of Tom. He gets like, you know, the older indie wrestlers and some of the old WWE. He brings in a lot of the old WWF superstars that are still there, still able to get the ropes and wrestle and put over the younger guys. So if you ever get a chance to come back to uh, this area and want to wrestle – Try to hit up ISPW. They always they're always looking for wrestlers to like newer, older wrestlers that still want to hit the ropes and uh, take take on some of the younger talent and stuff like that. They're pretty good. And you never know these little red glasses maybe in the front row, and you can <laughs> razz. If you heal, you can razz on me instead of those glasses. And I would never do such a thing. 
I would come there, swing my hose in your direction, and let you know that we're happy to have you there. Yes. <laughs> you could part, you'd be part of the act. You could drag me in the ring and pile driver and teach me. <laughs> <laughs> Show me before I had to do You know what? I, there was one time where I, I used a fan as a weapon. Um, I, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I want to say it was probably around 2004. Four two thousand five, and I'm I'm in. It was one of those Pennsylvania towns. I might have been Lackawaxen, and I'm wrestling a guy named Johnny Toxic, and I guess he was like a somewhat local guy. He had like a decent following, or had went to school over there, so a bunch of people knew him, would come and cheer for him. And uh, they had put him with me, and they're like, "Oh, you're gonna have this match, whatever." And we worked a spot where um, I would get, you know, I would powder out and get to the floor and be like, oh, you know, like uh, the, the heel thing, time out, whatever. At that point, I was called Maximus Sex Power. I was a a, a pudgy uh, Rick Rude wannabe. It was kind of my gimmick. And, uh, you know, I kind of did the whole time out, taking my time on the floor. He came out to get me. We did the cat and mouse. And I ended up tricking him, you know, little chicanery on my port, ran him into the ring post. And then there was a guy in a wheelchair just right there. And in that moment, my brain just like ticked and said, you have no choice. He's right there. So I grabbed the dude in the wheelchair and I take like a running start and then just shoot him as hard as I can into Johnny Toxic as he was getting up and use them as a dart to, you know, bump him again on the floor. I was really proud of that. <laughs> All you can think is you, you, you in, in funny, even though we're out of the holidays, pretty much you did like. What's his name from Home Alone 2 when you find out the credit card was stolen? You go, the light bulb went off over his head and go, stolen credit card. <laughs> <laughs> the light bulb went on behind your head in this old room. Got it. You know, yeah. Some of the best moments we, we get to have are, are improvised, you know, like spur of the moment, just in that, you know, in that moment, you decided to do this for whatever reason, like your character, you just felt it. And that was like one of those things where the crowd was so aghast at it. But the guy who, you know, I grabbed uh, the fan, he was like so excited about it. You know, he's he like he got to be part of the show and he wasn't planning on it. He was just coming to a wrestling show. I certainly wasn't. You know, I didn't walk in going, I wonder if there's a gentleman in a wheelchair I could use as a weapon today. It's not a conversation I have with myself often. Um but it, for the mo you know, in the moment and in that setting, it just worked. Is it something I would ever do again? No. Could um, <laughs> have ended bad for the guy in the wheelchair. It, it could have, but you know what? Everyone <laughs> came out smiling, and that's what I do. I put smiles on faces and memories in hearts. Yeah, so that kind of reminds me of a spot that Seth Rollins did. I don't know. There's a YouTube video. Oh my god! <laughs> You've ever seen that one, Joe? Where, where, where? No, you've never seen it. You look up Seth Rollins doing a moonsault off a guy's stomach. <laughs> I swear it's to God, he did. He did a, not oh, not just God. any moonsault. Like he did like a lion salt literally off the guy's stomach. Just ran up, did the lion salt right off the guy's stomach. And I'm like. <laughs> My dad didn't even watch wrestling. And he saw that. And he was like, he sent it to me on Instagram. And he went, Randy. Have you seen this? We, I, 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 he pounded on the floor and I came upstairs. He's like, did you really send me this? He's like, yeah, you've never seen that before. I'm like, that wrestler that just did the Moonsault, the wrestler, is former WWF champion, Seth Rollins. He goes, oh, yeah. What's with the fat guy? And I was like, <laughs> ad lib, wrestling, independent. This is what independent wrestling is like, dad. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean. When you said identification, 
my grandfather was a wrestler back okay. in the 50s and 50s. I actually ha- I can't take it off the wall now. I'll show you later. But I actually have a copy of his old New York City identification from when he wrestled. Okay. See? Yeah. Prom- uh, wrestling license back then. Yeah. And I look at it. So when I'm playing, making him in two K games, I have to literally walk over wireless PlayStation controller and just sit there and go, <laughs> and it's, no. it's lettering getting really blurry because it was old 55 65 ink you know it starts like imaginary inks are fading away I'm like yeah no. yeah it's an old idea well, it's an old card it's like you see the tearing in it i'm like damn i had some wwf like memorabilia on my wall no one even knows about it right. <laughs> like yeah so so it it goes to show you that wrestlers could get away with like crazy stuff. Like, uh, what was it Chuck Taylor used to just, just yell at kids and make kids cry back in the day? And I yeah. was like, I was like, really? You made the kid cry? What the hell? I I I made I made I've made kids cry. I've made girls cry. I made a girl up and like grab her boyfriend and leave the show one time. <laughs> <laughs> what I was did proud you do? Of that <laughs> you know, like just. Just there, just being a heel. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I always liked picking out one person in the crowd and then getting a reaction out of that one person because when you would do that, the people around that person would react as well. You know, if, if I say something that insults or ridicules one person in the crowd, now the people around, they may or may not know that person, but now they're offended too because – you know, they're that person is one of them. They're fans and they didn't come here for that. But I used to love that. Just yeah. stare at a kid until he like, you know, I'd come out and they'd be giving me the middle finger and talking, <laughs> Oh, you suck, you there. And I would just come and stare at them. <laughs> and that kid would shut up and sit down real quick. And that was one of my favorite <laughs> things ever, was just getting kids to shut up. I I love kids are great because their their emotion and their reactions are so genuine. You know, they're they're not trying. To, you know, a lot of times with with wrestling fans, they they get so involved in trying to take over the shows with their chance and, you know, trying to make themselves part of it that they lose out on the experience of actually just being a fan and having a good time. And I always love doing these shows where you had like a bunch of kids and families because the reactions are genuine and it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, it's not just chanting for the sake of chanting like I hate the. This is awesome. You still got it. You deserve it. We are awesome. Fight forever. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Stay me quiet. You just go chant. You stupid idiots. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! If you would have did this back in the day, you probably would have got chased out of the little uh lot of wax in town. If you would have chanted, <laughs> if you would have chanted, oh god. Stupid rednecks! Yeah. <laughs> you would have got this Jesus. is awesome. Oh god! Uh, see, like that guy. Uh, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been chased out of that lot of wax of wax and like Frankenstein. He's like stupid rednecks. Well, you know what was great? Like whenever you go to like these smaller towns, and I, I'm not trying to insult these towns or be elitist, but for, for a lot of the towns I would wrestle in back in the mid 2000s were these, you know, towns I I really never heard of before. And whenever you would go there, it was like an event to these towns because obviously they, they don't, you know, it's not like there's a big arena in Lackawaxx in Pennsylvania where Taylor Swift is coming through and selling out. So uh, having an indie wrestling show was a big deal. You know, they would make it part of their, you know, city carnival or town car, whatever it was. And, you know, the all the people who 
mean anything to this town would come out. So a lot of times, like the local sheriff would want to be involved. And, you know, it'd always be like some guy who is like Roscoe P. Coltrane from the Dukes of Hazard, you know, and like be a big deal. And they'd be like, you know what? Uh, that guy over there is shoes. Why don't you go talk to him? He'll think of something to do with you. And it would be like the, the shoot sheriff. Like he's the genuine sheriff of the town. And I'd be like, oh, oh, oh okay. Like, and I just come up, you know, I, there was more than a few times where I tell the guy, you got, you got your squad car here? And he'd be like, uh, yeah. I'd be like, handcuffs? Yeah. I'd be like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. After the match, you come and say something about, you know, ask me about a certain car, you know, and I'll say I was driving to the building. You tried to pull me over. I evaded arrest. And now you're here to finally put the cuffs on me and I'll throw a fit. And eventually I go, pull your car out, uh, out close in front. That way you could drag me out the front door, throw me in the back seat, cuff me, whatever, hit the lights and sirens and then drive off with the villainous shoes in the back, you know, in the back seat. And, uh, and 10 times out of 10, it went over like gangbusters. Just <laughs> it's such a simple, silly spot. And every time people were just so happy to see me like, I, you know, because I would legit fight back. Like, I wasn't allowing myself to be handcuffed and arrested. All the baby faces would have to come out of the locker room, tackle me, hold me down. And I would I would just get up and start screaming, this is egregious. You're this is Mountie. egregious. <laughs> you, have the, you, have, you had literally had your Mountie moment, like from the 19-year ago, age, Joe's age, Grandpa Joe's coming out. Had your age showed your age from the 1991 SummerSlam when the Mountie got arrested by the New York City Police Department? Yeah, like you have to remember that. Oh, 100. Yeah, I. It's just like it's it's just such an it's so much fun to like like that's the kind of stuff I love. Like to me as a fan, the I always looked at it like the things we remember about wrestling are not necessarily the matches; they're the moments. You know, like we always talk about Hogan and Andre. Yeah, what that meant you don't remember really the whole match, but you know that Hogan body slammed him. And yes. you know that in the lead up to it, Andre ripped off his crucifix and, and cut his chest open with his fingernail, made him bleed. You know, that's the kind of stuff you remember is those moments. You remember Sergeant Slaughter setting the Hulkamania shirt on fire. You, you remember Hawk getting pushed off the Titan Tron. You know, yep. it's, it's the moments. Yeah. And, and to have those moments where, you know, listen, there, there could be, if there's seven, eight matches on a show, and they're all good matches, that's great. And the people are there to see wrestling, and they got to see some good wrestling. But I guarantee you, when they walk out of the building, the matches kind of all blend to each other, and they go, you know what was fun? When that fat dude got arrested and dragged off into the backseat of the cop car. Because I would tell the cop, like, yo, literally throw me in the back and drive out like you're taking me to jail. And he would drive, like, around the whole block. And he'd be like, oh, are you okay? I'd be like, yeah, is there a 7-Eleven around here we could stop at and get a soda? <laughs> like, my dad got involved in the show at ISPW. The wrestler was getting beat up, and my dad had his phone out, and he's like, grab the guy, and he's like, take a picture. So my dad's like, Mr. Brooklyn. My dad had a Brooklyn shirt on. He's like, take a picture, Brooklyn. And my dad's like, all right, I got this. <laughs> the guy had, The wrestler had the guy by the head by the rope. It was... I'm not gonna say his name, but he had the wrestler's head, and you like, and my dad posted the picture. The wrestler wrote it. Oh come on! In the chat on Instagram, I was I was dead. I was like, oh my god, my dad got involved. Yeah, speaking of moments, I mean, you you had a moment at the grand stage with uh, 
the guy the guy from Barstool Sports. If you want to ah. talk a little, a little about that one, man. Brandon that Walker was... from Barstool Sports. Yeah, <laughs> that was a. Uh, you know, quite frankly, I have made a career out of being eliminated in phantasmic ways from battle royals. I always look at getting eliminated from a battle royal as a challenge and try to do something different that I want. If I'm going to be eliminated, I want to do it in a way where people go, holy shit. Um, so Brandon, uh, so he does a lot of the uh, college uh, college football stuff for Barstool, has a massive following on social media. Barstool has a massive following. And they were just like, hey, you're going to do this spot with with Brandon or, you know, whatever. Just think of something. So we came up with this spot and it was nothing. You know, he was super, super nervous. So I wasn't trying to do anything like really just crazy. But they wanted to, you know, just kind of shit can me over the top rope. And I was like, let me go backwards at least. Because I always like the visual of a guy going backwards over the top rope rather than just getting, you know, grab me by the, you know, shoot me off. So if I'm going to do it and we're going to do this spot, let me go backwards. Okay, yeah, fine, no problem. So we do it. He, he gives me the stunner. I take the bump. I work to the ropes. Grabs me by the leg. And I told him, just flip me straight up. Don't worry, I'll go. So he does. And I go straight up. And there was, I guess, a guy on that side of the ring was able to catch like a really good picture where I'm, you know, perpendicular to the ground, you know, legs straight up in the air. getting. It looks like I'm going to get dumped on my head. It's a great visual. And then after that, like the videos and the photos. And it didn't go viral in the sense that like, oh, the world is talking about. This. No, but it went. I got more burn out of that than like anything I've ever done in my life. Barstool retweeted it. Brandon was tweeting it. I was getting people commenting on me, following me. Like all of a sudden my phone was just like blowing up that night. I was at my buddy's house staying with him while I was up in New York. And it was just like, ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, what is going on? So there was just people leaving comments, following me, talking shit about me. Oh, you're fat. You're this. There was a girl who was, uh, I guess after after the the match, I I was talking to Brandon in the back, and I I guess I said to him, you know, all I've ever wanted to do in life was wrestle, blog about the Mets, and and do porn. That, those are the <laughs> the only things I've ever wanted to do with my life. And I guess he thought that was just like this mind blowing comment, and he tweeted it, and he's like, I met the most interesting man I'd ever in the world that I've ever met today. He goes. All he wants to do, and he says the, he puts the quote, and then I retweeted it, and I said hi, and he followed me, and then like all these people started following me, and then this girl comments on it like, "Who is this guy?" Because he sounds like my dream guy, and then he tags me in the response to her. So then her and I start like tweeting, you know, publicly for everyone to see. Uh, you know, I'm a single man; I can get away with these things, and. Uh, like uh what was it we um we went back and forth for a little bit we we're about to set up a date and then uh just didn't we just never made that connection beyond that but like for the moment it was good and i love the attention so it was great That's yeah sad. i'm pretty sure geek has a as a picture of that moment too because you know uh the the face off between you and brandon walker man i i i'll see if i can send it to you in the chat though yeah yeah please do it Listen, I like I said, people remember the moments. And if if you're a Barstool fan, maybe you're not watching wrestling. You know, maybe what you do know about wrestling is only WWE or or AEW 
or or impact you don't maybe you don't even know what uh independent wrestling is i mean even trying to explain it to people who aren't in the know can be very difficult at times you know yes. i always use the the explanation of you know okay like you know how baseball works right like you got the major leagues then you got the minor leagues and i try to explain it like that but for a lot of people it doesn't set in so for a lot of people who were seeing this on social media and they're seeing this guy that they know and they follow for other stuff and they see him in a wrestling ring and they see him throwing this tubby bitch over the top rope like you know the exposure it brought to me for for those few days was outstanding obviously but it probably put a lot of eyes on creator pro as well because they're tagged and everything and you know you see creator pros doing great they basically sell out every show so every show you know it was a, a great thing and uh it's just too bad that that podcast that they were doing on barstool uh wrestling was the name of it that brandon yeah. was hosting uh, it's just too bad that Barstool decided not to go ahead with that. And you still see the the account is still active on social media and they're still posting stuff here and there. Um, but having the podcast was really a, a a good thing, I thought, for the wrestling community and brought it to a to a really large scale. And he was getting some big interviews, too, at the time. He had, you know, just interviewed Tony Khan and, and MJF. So, like, those are, you know, movers and shakers within the industry. And they were doing interviews with Barstool. So the, the audience, I thought, was there for it. Uh, it's just too bad it, it didn't continue. That's like one of my dream exactly. jobs with Barstool. Because I do love baseball. I do love football. But independent wrestling, everybody, I don't know if you've seen this, Geek, on uh, Facebook. And Joe, I don't know if you saw this now. Everybody's saying on Facebook, I love independent wrestling. So I highlighted it and I put on Dudes at Ringside page, we love independent wrestling. Huh. And like as you said, it's hard to explain to people that don't watch independent, don't watch wrestling or independent wrestling. At work, I'm that guy. I because they know about the podcast. They're like, "Who are you talking to this week, Joe? What country? What person?" And I'm just like, "Oh, this person, that person." One guy came up to me and said, "Oh yeah, independent wrestling." Just, oh, you're talking to a British guy on Sunday? I'm like, yeah. How the hell do you understand them? I'm just like, they speak exactly the same as you. But they have a little twang to their voice, and they sound more 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 less belligerent than you in their life. But that's the thing, you know. Once you get to adulthood, depending on what your chosen career path is, things in life can become very localized. And you know, you start if you're the type who's never ventured out of their town, you never moved away from home, and I don't mean like away from home, but like you never really moved far away from your original home, the town you grew up in. If you're that kind of person, you're still probably, you know, your circle is still probably the same people you grew up, went to high school with, went to college with, you know, work with, you know, you haven't, you haven't gotten this exposure to all these things that are, I, the, I remember when I first moved out of New York and, and started and lived in Florida, it was just like, I felt like I was in a different world and, and there was an adjustment period, obviously, you know, like anything else, you know, for when people go away to college, it's the same thing you're exposed to all different types of opportunities and experiences that you've never had access to before. And that doesn't matter where you live, where you go, where you're from, what you act like, what you taste like, what you like, what you don't like. Um, it's just anytime you incorporate that manner of change into your life, things become different and you have to learn to adjust and almost like a chameleon adapt to your new environment. But for the people that, that don't do that, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing that they don't, but their lives become very localized. They they know their local bar. They go sh they've gone food shopping at the same place for 
their entire lives. They, they, the dry cleaners, the same person that watched them grow up and, and, and dry clean their suit for first Holy communion or something. You know what I mean? So they don't know, you know, and a lot of people over 90% of Americans never travel even on vacation outside of the United States. So there's a lot of people who, you know, their idea of a British person is literally James Bond or Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that may be all they know. You know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, Lucha Libre wrestling to them might as well be like a cartoon. Like this can't po- this can't possibly be a What's real thing. Cartoon Network they had for a while, the Lucha cartoon they lasted like a few years. Like, like Mucha Lucha. Bam. Yes. Whereas my case, sorry, Joe, my case, my best friend and I used to watch when in high school watch AAA, and the whole show it it was this. Good jumping move, talk talk, talk move move, talk talk, and I'm like, why are you staring at me? And he goes, I don't know what they're saying. What are they saying? And I'm like, dude, you have a better chance of me understanding half the language. I just know the action. Shut up and watch. Yeah, like even when I was a kid, I you know I'd flip through TV. You know, Saturdays at noon was for WWE superstars, and then at one o'clock we'll go on American Gladiators, and then Sunday at noon was WWE was a wrestling challenge or whatever, and whatever came after that. But I'd flip through the channel, uh, the channels, and as a kid we didn't have cable, so as I flipped through, I'd hit like Telemundo or whatever, and I'd see this Lucha Libre. You know, it was a uh, I think it was AAA at the time. Yeah, it's like, AAA. What, yeah. what is happening here? Like, yeah. it was it was unlike anything I've ever seen. You know, at, especially at that point. And you know, okay, sure, it looks like wrestling, but that ain't the wrestling I know. Yeah, and it was crazy. These are yeah. some crazy things, and just so many superstars that are still. This is my Latino side of me going. There's still so many cat wrestlers that were in AAA back in the day. That never got a spotlight, never got a discovery. That these days, if they did that, had AAA wrestling like you now, it would they, it would have been so much bigger if they did it like that now and had a show on Telemundo. But they don't. I've looked. Nothing. Oof, nothing. Like, you know, but it just comes back to you do what you know, you know, in a lot of in a lot of situations. And that because even, you know, if you go to this, if you go to the same restaurant, how often are you trying something new at that restaurant? You're getting that same nah. dish you like almost every time you're there. Oh, I, you know what? I had a burger the last time I was here. Mm, I'm going to have that. Yeah. And that's just it's comfort. It's contentment. It's it's doing what you know. And a, a lot of people are. And I and, and I'm I'm no different. I there are a lot of things, especially when it comes to, you know, your life. You I go shopping at the same place. I don't venture out too much when I don't have to, and uh, that's why I kind of started my YouTube channel was to force myself to eat different things that maybe normally I wouldn't try. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I, and they're entertaining too. Like the like the Coca Cola bite was pretty cool. That one that you tried. Oh, the. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm like something that simple. I like I love wild cherry Pepsi is like my all time. I'm a big soda guy. I've always been a big soda guy because once again, when I was a kid, like we didn't have regular soda often. My mom thought her way of helping us 
be healthier was she only would buy diet soda when she went food shopping. So to have like a regular soda felt like this, this big treat, like I was being rewarded for something. So like, as I got older and now I'm in high school, taking the bus to school, stopping at the candy store, I got my own money. I can buy a soda and I'd get like, Oh, I'd be like, Oh my God, regular soda is so good. So good. Yeah. And like, I, I often say, you know, most people carry around water weight, but not me. The superstar, oh no, he carries around Pepsi weight because that <laughs> shit is like delicious. Uh, but even stuff like that, like I, I'm not going to go there and spend money on something and hope I like it. You know, like if I'm going to spend money on something, I kind of want the validation that I know I'm going to like it already. But getting to try new sodas, try new foods, like I don't even really like seafood. And then um, Arby's came out with like some kind of a battered fish stick type thing. And some guy on Twitter reached out and he's like, Hey, are you going to be trying this? I'd love to see your review on this. And I'm like, well, anything for, you know, the fans, if you're going to, you know, like me enough to reach out and support me and watch my videos. I mean, the least I could do is do a review on a food item that you want to see. So, and, and then it ended up, I was like, wow, you know what? This actually isn't bad. Yeah. Like maybe I, maybe I do like seafood. Did you try the new marshmallow drink or no? The Coca-Cola marshmallow? Yeah. No, I, I know it was in stores. Originally, I thought it was a Coca-Cola website exclusive. And so I was like, refreshing, refreshing. I was like, where the hell is this? Uh, then I found out it was at Walmart. And I was like, oh, and I, I was like, okay, I'll make a trip to Walmart. And I just kept pushing it back, pushing it back. And then I guess by the time I actually got there, it was like no longer a thing. Oh, boo. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it was a limited time. It wasn't the greatest. I'm going to. Yeah. Say. I mean, the, the thing is with most of these sodas, and I've won like a couple of these Pepsi contests they do through social media where they have like a limited edition flavor. There was like an IHOP maple pancake flavor they did. And someone recently sent me the s'mores one that they had won from this. And yeah. they did a Peeps, uh, like the marshmallow Peeps flavor. That was fun. But like if they were any good, they would put them in stores and make the money off it. That you know, yeah. that's that's the the crux of the situation. It's just that you know, because it's limited, because it's special, it's not everyone can have it. Like you get kind of hyped, like oh man, I gotta win this. So anytime I see one of those Pepsi contests going on, I'm like, oh, I gotta make a funny picture of of me having peeps. Yeah, sure, great. Like. I'm on Photoshop, like right that minute. Like, okay, what could we do? What would be funny of me with peeps? You know, like G-rated, family-friendly, good time. Good, you know, so I, I get like a picture of me at a baseball game with a nice sun behind me in the background. And I'd be like, just taking in the American game with my peeps. And I'd Photoshop some peeps, like one in my hand and one on the side of me. I'd make them big so it looks like I actually took this peep like a small child to a baseball game. <laughs> Bunny, all you see is yeah. the top of the rabbit ears. Yeah, you know, and I just hope for the best. <laughs> the middle. <laughs> oh. I would lay down on my bed and just put get a bunch of peeps and like bags of peeps, empty them and just have them all around me, and just be like, yeah. like I'm just laying in peeps. <laughs> Looks like I have no shirt on. Uh, just Swoggle uh, and I did a thing a few years ago. Yeah, probably about two years ago now, where. He bet me I couldn't eat 50 peeps in one sitting. Uh, oh, my God. Which was a horrible bet. 
uh because i i actually don't like peeps like there's it's just way too sugary for me even as a kid i'd be like the novelty is there because you only get them that certain time of year but they're just so sugary and it's like you can feel almost like the film of sugar it places over your teeth and tongue and it's like yeah not not really for me Someone uh, gave me ghost he, peeps and I have not touched them yet. I'm almost no oh, <laughs> Christmas peeps. And I'm almost afraid to eat them because I'm like, I'm afraid I may get diarrhea immediately. And and diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> Could be like diabetes. <laughs> like, so I like come home one day and there's this box on my doorstep to, from Swaggle. I go, oh God, what the hell did he send me? And it was just like 10 boxes of peeps inside this giant brown box. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So like we did like a Twitch stream where like there was like a timer going off and I had to eat these peeps. Now peeps are like air. So they're not filling They're you know, they go down. Yeah. Like it's, I could have done it, but I made the mistake of that earlier that I didn't know we were going to do this was the thing. So I had like a Chinese buffet that day and my stomach was already a little rumbly. Uh So, <laughs> we start this peep stream and you can watch it that that stream is actually on my my youtube youtube.com slash joe shoes if you guys want to check it out it's in the archives but uh at one point like it just hits where it's like all this marshmallow just like is sitting there and i feel like just my stomach is like listen jerk no more of this Cause you're about to be in a world of hurt. And like, I had to cut the stream. Like, I'm like, okay, okay. Oh, uh, we gotta go. I'm not going to finish. I'm sorry. I gotta run. I gotta go. And, and like Dylan's losing his mind. He's laughing at me. He's, he's like, <laughs> like physically shaking from laughing too hard. I'm like, Dylan, this isn't funny. I gotta go. I gotta go. And he's like, he's like, no, 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 no. Just have one more. Just have one. I was like, no, like you don't understand. Like, and I had to like, just cut and run. And uh, you know, <sighs> It was a, oh almost God. a sticky oh situation. You should add oh, the fake man. bark sound. The bark dude was right on the... <laughs> or that sound of a bad stomach. You know, even um, during uh, lockdown, the beginning of COVID, there was this thing going around Twitter where there was like, this guy posted a photo of like a whole bunch of McDonald's. And he was like, if you got 90 minutes and could you eat all this if you would win, I think it was like $3,000 or something at the end. And I'm looking at this photo and I'm going, you know, I really don't think it's that much food. But the issue was I was looking at, I thought they were like double cheeseburgers, but instead they were actually double quarter pounders. So it was like four double quarter pounders, two large fries, 20 McNuggets, four sodas. So I decided to do a live stream about me trying to conquer this McDonald's challenge. And then this was kind of my introduction to the, the major pod group, uh, the Patreon Facebook group was, you know, like I was around on the podcast. Brian's been my friend for years at this point, but um, like Brian posted the link and he's like, oh, we're going to be watching this. He's like, uh, everyone go support shoes. You know, we've talked about him on the podcast, but I had no relation with the podcast at that point outside of just being mentioned as Brian's friend. And a lot of people came and watched me. I think I, I, at the peak, I had maybe like a hundred people watching me try to do this eating challenge. And I studied beforehand. I was like watching other people try the video uh, on YouTube and they were getting crushed. They were getting crushed. Like, you know, talking big games and then like one and a half 
quarter pounders in, they were like, oh, I can't do it anymore. Like, I'm done. Like, people weren't coming close. Pat McAfee tried it, and he's had the big uh, economy garbage pail next to him. He's fucking puking all over. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I'm like, okay, well, I can't. So I was like, my strategy. Guy, now you got to go in with a strategy. I'm like, if I can get all the burgers down first, the fries and the nuggets are the things I enjoy the most. So if I'm able to get the burgers down first, and then I just have the stuff I like after that, and I'm drinking the soda not to put it down, but just drinking the soda to wash everything as I'm going, normally, I think I really may be able to do this. So I go, I start the stream, and things are going well. I got a bunch of people in the chat. I'm loving the interaction. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And all of a sudden, I've got the burgers down. I got the fries. I come down where I have half a soda to go. And I take a sip and I just straighten up because it was like everything I had just consumed basically felt like a cinder block in my stomach. And you know, Uh. like when it rains on concrete, there's nowhere for the water to go. So it's got to go somewhere. So suddenly I've got this half a soda to go. People are going nuts in the chat going, oh my God, he's going to do it. He's really going to do it. And then I just, I'm like, and I'm trying oh, to keep gee. it down, trying to keep it down. Finally, I can't anymore. I, I had a bucket nearby. I had like my little garbage can with the bags in it. And I start projectile vomiting live oh, on YouTube. Geez. Live on YouTube. Like just, like, just no. like, and I was like, so, I'm so close. A half a soda, a half a soda to go. And I would have been great. I would have been the man. It's that here I am just vomiting like a banshee. Just <laughs> like, and you see it. Like, I didn't like try to reach off screen. You end up like the microphone or something ended up blocking it a little bit, but you still see it pouring out of my oh, mouth. God. <laughs> so, and Brian tells the story. That he's so. This was the day during COVID where WWE fired a whole bunch of people. So it was the same day Matt and Brian had gotten fired, and they got the phone call as I was live doing this thing on YouTube. And I knew Brian was watching, and uh, he's telling the story of like, he's like, I'm on the couch with my wife, my world is crumbling around me. And then all of a sudden, my friend just starts puking his brains out live on time. <laughs> and my wife is left. And his, at the time, his wife was pregnant. He's like, and then my pregnant wife is laughing so hard that she actually peed her pants from, <laughs> from watching me grow up. Um, so this has this been, been awesome, man. You know, Joe, you're, you're we have you're the man. You're the man, Joe. <laughs> there we go, Joe. Again, second star of the month. We yesterday we had Evil Kip, and I put the star next to his oh. date because right now you're the second best interview of of uh, January so far. Oh wow, I'm behind Kip. Yeah, you and Kip. You that and Kip are tied. That's yeah, ridiculous. That's utterly ridiculous. That's it's, that's so evil, Joe. That's so yes. evil. Right? He made me do it. He paid. He paid me. It was like that. That paycheck just went through. I just got it. I was gonna say, did it go through? Because knowing Kip, there's a little rubber in that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why my cell phone told me the next day. It said, when you start getting those Bank of America notifications that you you're overdrafted. <laughs> that's why I said it. You your account. 
is less than it was yesterday. Fucking Kip. <laughs> no. No. no, but I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I love doing these things. <laughs> Did I be you're doing me. Long Island? I mean, uh, East Coast Wrestling Pod- Month in March. We could definitely try to get you back. Or Podcast Month, we're too. Or Podcast Month, yeah, in April. Yeah, if you want to come back, if you want to come back, not too busy, you know? Yeah. Just let me know. All right. birthday, birthday stream for me because my birthday is April 29th. So we could always do a birthday stream that Friday. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, right, uh, but, I got I got party hats somewhere around here. <laughs> it's always yeah, good to have props. Yes. Yeah, always, yeah, always I have, have these on my desk. Yeah, I, have, we're doing... I, I always have this just in case. This is my Coco or uh, replica Ernesto De La Cruz guitar. Wow, that's a, that's amazing. No. Just in case I ever I ever need to get un poco loco. Yeah. <laughs> or or your stream gets bought by Disney. Yeah, or water <laughs> flags for uh copyright. <laughs> My sister would have heard that guitar strum and went off key. She would have been like, give me your fucking guitar now. No, give me the guitar. I need oh, to fix that. I heard them. I, I I've always I always keep a guitar in the house, not because I can play it. I've never been able to play any instrument, but because people will ask questions about it. And when I was in high school, that was like my intro to talk to girls would be like, oh, you have a guitar? I'd be like, yes, I do have a guitar. But I, I, I wouldn't say anything more on that. But that was my intro on how to get, like talk to girls from other schools and stuff if I saw them on the bus or on the subway or something. It's <laughs> funny. Oh, gee. Always working, even back then. Yeah. So um, where could uh, people find you, Captain Joe Shoes? Uh, I am uh, I'm everywhere on social media. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all the good stuff at, at, at The Joe Shoes. Uh, YouTube.com slash Joe Shoes. I have the Car Joe Men's podcast every week, wherever you get your favorite podcast or on YouTube. You can just look up Car Jomez podcast. That's J-O-E-M-E-Z because I'm Joe and my buddy who I do it with is Gomez. So if you put it together, kind of like Car Ramrod, we became Car Jomez. That was our name when we would play uh, beer pong tournaments at the uh, local bars back in the days. And it's just uh, your everyday pop culture, movies, TV shows, and whatever else is happening in entertainment. I'm also ProWrestlingTees.com slash Joe Shoes if you want to support Get one of these fancy Captain Log t-shirts. Very cool. Very hip. And then uh, if you're really into your captain, you can sign up to be a Hard Foundation or Ultimate member at MajorMarks.com and watch my show on the Patreon for the Major Pod Network called The Captain's Log, where every month I get someone from the wrestling business and we do a Q&A where the fans come in and ask the questions. So we'll get uh, actually, this coming week, we have Taya Valkyrie coming in, and anybody who's a member can come in, watch live, and, and ask their questions. We'll bring up the video if you'd like, or you can type them in the chat and talk to these superstars yourself. Yeah. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been really fun. I've had a bunch of guests who I'm not necessarily familiar with on a, on a personal level, so getting to talk to them and, and do these interviews, it's been really good. We've gotten some really good stories. We've had Maven and Heath and pixel dan who a lot of people don't know pixel dan you know they know him for his toy reviews but he's also been an indie wrestler for 20 years you know out in the midwest so we've you know we not like we're doing anything that's never been done before but we're having a lot of fun with what we're doing yeah that's amazing yeah 
And then, of course, next week, Live 15 for the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast down in Orlando at Tin Roof. You know, got wow. our special guests, and uh, I'm not a special guest at this point, I don't think. I think people just kind of assume I'll be there at this point. So, But it'll be a good time. It always is. Uh, thank you so much, Joe, for uh, taking the time out, man. You're a busy guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, if, if you're not busy, you're bored. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's true. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. No problem. I'm Joe Pins the third. I'm the Metal Geek. And I am your good captain, Captain Joe Shoes. And we will catch you in the next one. See you at 9 30.